forget the status quo. What? This is a sports coverage thing you want to hear. All right, all right, all right. Recorded from the heart of Northeast Mississippi, covering high school, college, and the pros. Jackson Finch, Peyton Taylor. This is Cousin Cast. going on everybody hi i'm jackson finch and along with peyton taylor we've got another episode of cousin cast coming to you today on anything that you're listening to apple podcast google podcast spotify or if you're watching us on youtube uh we're glad that you're joining us today peyton tell what's going on hope you guys had a fantastic week since last week we've had a uh you know thank you for keeping with us usually it's been tuesdays but we've been rolling it out basketball season has kicked in for us here at northeast so it makes it very very difficult so but i'm excited there's a there's a, some big topics talked about. Not as many topics, but a lot. Every topic is pretty big. Pretty big news. Yeah, you for sure. Uh, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna check in on basketball, any NCAA basketball. We're gonna talk, you know, a little bit Mississippi State coaching search, and then the big news that dropped yesterday. So we'll go right into it. Uh, Eli Manning retires. Um, before you get started, I kind of saw this coming. Uh, I don't know if you did, but I I did. You know, when they benched him, and it's not much of him. I know him being bench definitely played into it, but I mean it was just it's just one of the things. It was just his time. I don't think I could see him playing anywhere besides New York Giants. And so when uh, they benched him, you know, Daniel Jones started playing. I thought I thought it was time. I think there was a legitimate chance he came back next year because I think you know it, you can tell Eli Manning is a he's a very big competitor. You know, so uh, I think it came down to him having away for a while. You know. Would I rather stay with you know the Giants the, with my for my entire career, or do I, do I want to go prove that I still have something left to give for another team? And I guess he just decided to stay with the Giants. Uh, you know, and it's it kind of surprising to me because uh, you know he's he he to the media as usual. You know, he didn't say anything bad about Dane Jones, the organization. He went with it, but you know, like we said back when he got benched, I said it, and you and you pretty much agree with me. The way they went about it was just not very graceful. It was kind of, it was very similar in which the uh, Peyton Manning saga went down with the Colts. It was, you know, it, maybe it was the move that needed to be made, but there was a much grace, more graceful way to go about it. And I think more of the Daniel Jones things, besides the Peyton Manning thing, is that I think more Daniel Jones starting was more of a, uh, a media stunt. You know, oh yes, yeah, the no doubt. apathy around the program. If the I could throw, apathy if around I could throw the that Giants. Out, it yeah, was, it was definitely a little no, low. It was, so they had look, to do something to get the fan you base. You look back, and Pat Schumer was trying to save his job. I mean, that's as simple as it was. So it was Dave Gettleman. Schumer didn't save his, but I think Gettleman saved his by somebody getting excited with Daniel Jones. Now, of course, and don't get me wrong, Jones did not have a terrible rookie season. But you know, I will say. After the week four game, I said, you know, he's got by the Bucks and the Redskins, two terrible defenses. You know, watch. He's going to go through some growing pains. He had a lot of issues this rookie year. Now, there were obviously a lot of bright spots. But, you know, it, it, you go back, and it's hard to say you didn't make the right decision. But you hate to see it um, because, I, you know, you, of course, even the, being a Steelers fan, you've always agreed with me. And I may be a little bit – I know there's probably a little bit of bias playing into it, but – if Eli's not on the, if Eli's on just about any other team except the Giants from 2013 to this year, we're not talking about him finishing his career at 117, 117. We're talking about him. I mean, he's a shoe in for the Hall and pretty much everybody's eyes, I think, because his record would have been a lot better. He played on some 
awful Giants teams. Yeah, he did play on some bad Giants teams. And like you, like you said, if you throw him on a, a team that was like, you know, maybe borderline playoff playing for the wild card spot, he definitely could have been a, you know, an influential factor for them because, I mean, he's not a bad quarterback whatsoever. Uh, we've always talked about the Giants struggled with their offensive line here lately, and it just hasn't been good. The last and six years. Besides it's... Odell being there a couple of years, they didn't really have much receiving, you know, help. So, Eli Manning is definitely a, a good quarterback, and he would have been, you know, really good someplace else. But uh, that kind of brings you into another question that's kind of been, you know, roaming the surface is, is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? And I really don't think that's a question, in my opinion. No, he is. And, and this is not this is not a bias. There, you know, everybody's going to point at the 500 record. You know, 500 is, you know, it's not losing, first of all. And second of all, it, he finishes eighth all-time in passing touchdowns, seventh all-time in yards. If you know, if you've watched any football, you know Eli's done a lot of this with mediocre teams. From you know, from a Giants perspective, he's won two Super Bowls with the Giants, obviously two Super Bowl MVPs. And like I was talking about with my brother, because he he sent me yesterday after Eli announced that he sent me where somebody had posted the Manningham catch in Super Bowl Forty Six, and he said that arguably that throw by Eli was the greatest throw, one of the greatest throws ever made in NFL history. Well, down it, the sideline. Oh yeah, I know. Not the Tyree Hill yeah, catch. I know which one you're talking about, but that is a really, a really good throw. But throwing it to the Tyree throw, um, what Eli Manning had to do to get out of that pocket, you know? Yeah. They, I mean, well, he he dodged like two or three tackles. You can say, and it's like I told him, you can say whatever you want about Super Bowl Forty Two, him getting lucky with the helmet catch, and okay, whatever, fine, and the defense playing well. Yeah, they did. But I still maintain to this day, if you go back and watch. His Super Bowl forty six performance against the Patriots is one of the best performances by a quarterback in the Super Bowl. I mean, he was he could not miss in that Super Bowl. Yeah, the defense was still good, but he couldn't miss. I mean, there was his play was ph- phenomenal in that, and it comes down to and this is one of the best points. It wasn't my point. I heard somebody else make it. They said when we talk about the Hall of Fame, sometimes it's not always just about the elite of the elite. Sometimes it's about about pe- players who play an integral part in NFL history. If you retell somebody the history of the NFL from the Super Bowl era, from Super Bowl one to now, you can't leave out Eli Manning. I mean, you definitely can't because I mean he's known as Patriots killer for some reason. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the question Roman right now is he a Hall of Famer is really I, just a big of a question. Now it and now it becomes is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yeah, and um, honestly, I think he might be because of his name. I I, I can agree. I really I, agree. I really do think that'll play into it. I can understand like. I can 100% understand somebody's argument, too. He's not a first-bout Hall of Famer. You know, he played on some bad teams. It's kind of like Archie. You hate to see – you know, you hate to see it's not their fault they played on bad teams. But at the same time, I mean, it, it does – winning has to obviously take a, a part in it. So, if he's not a first-bout Hall of Famer, I completely understand. But he is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. You know. I definitely believe he's a Hall of Famer. And, I mean, how can you argue that the man's got two Super Bowls, one against the New England Patriots who came in at, what, 18-0, 19-0? Probably one of the greatest regular season teams we've ever seen. It just comes down to, and you know, people are very hypocritical when it comes to arguments like this. You have people that argue like, you know, Eli, oh, well, two Super Bowls don't matter. You know, what has he done? He never won an MVP. You know, he was he was never an All-Pro, although he got snubbed on some All-Pro list in the past, especially in 2011, the second Super Bowl year. He was phenomenal all year. Actually, another reason, he still holds the record for most fourth-quarter comebacks in a single season from 2011. Came back in seven of their nine wins. Yeah, I mean, that's big in for the being fourth, a quarterback. In the fourth quarter you have drop. to definitely take that into consideration. Yeah. And um, it, 
somebody was saying, you know, those, and I thought about those same people that say, oh, well, you can't just put Super Bowls on it. They're the same people that say, you know, well, Dan Marino, Tony Romo, great quarterbacks, but they never won a Super Bowl ring. So should they really be in the Hall of Fame? You, you can't go both ways with it. You either value Super Bowls or you don't. And Troy, I value Aik- Super Bowls. Like, like Troy Aikman and Terry Bradshaw, you're, you know, you're Steelers fan. You know, Terry Bradshaw was a he was a above average quarterback, but he was never anything great. But he won Super Bowls, and that's why he's a Hall of Famer. Well, I think Terry Bradshaw, kind of like Ron Tannehill with the Titans, Terry he Bradshaw was a was game a, manager. And he, I mean, that's all he needed to be. Yeah, Franco Harris behind him and the steel curtain on defense. I mean, he didn't need anything spectacular but the, yeah, from the quarterback you look, position. You look at it, and he had, uh, you know, in his 2007 Super Bowl run, he had uh, the. You know, he his defense was middle of the pack that year, and he had a like the 24th ranked rushing offense in 2011. Their super, second Super Bowl, they had the 31st ranked defense and the 26th ranked run game, I believe. And, and Eli took that team to the Super Bowl and won it. it, it and you, some, and again, I know I've got a little bit of bias in here, but the 2011 run, run alone might be enough to make a quarterback a Hall of Famer because that. That 2011 run is still, even as just an objective football fan, one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. That Giants team had no, they had no place in, in they should have been nothing that year. I mean, yeah, we'll go ahead and we'll take this. We'll kind of uh, merge into just a little bit of Super Bowl talks for uh, Super Bowl Fifty Four. Yeah. Is it Fifty Four? Yeah. Uh, yes. It is yeah, Fifty Four. Uh, we'll, next week when it's. Uh, Leading into Super Bowl, we'll talk may, uh, very more in depth about it, but we kind of just scrape the surface right more now. Like conference championship games th- this week. Um, you know, obviously the one most people talked about the Titans and the Chiefs. Uh, Titans got off to a fantastic start. We're up seventeen to seven, and then the floodgates open, and Patrick Mahomes. It you know, at last year I was even the one to say pump. You know, he threw. Don't get me wrong, he threw fifty touchdowns, five thousand yards. That's amazing, but. Let's pump the brakes a little bit because you never know how bad a sophomore slump can be. I was, I was definitely the same way when we we're talking about like fantasy drafts and stuff. Uh-huh. I, I, I had a guy that was extremely high on Patrick Mahomes, and I was like, "Look, he'll be good, but there's no way he'll be as good as last year." But I'm ready to say it now: Patrick Mahomes might be the next great quarterback in the NFL. There, the the man, the, the man just there. I've never, you know how there's sometimes kind of like the Patriots back in the in the in the late 2000s. Uh, the Steelers' offense with Le'Veon Bell and uh, Antonio Brown and Ben playing at his prime, it was there were points where even when it was third and fifteen, third and seventeen, you're thinking they're going to pick up this first down. There's no doubt about it. The Chiefs every time they get the third down, I'm saying, well, this drive's continuing. Mahomes going to roll out to the right. He's going to make it throw a you know throw a ball on the money to Tyreek Hill slanting across the field. It's just I've Patrick Mahomes. He exudes a certain swagger, and I've. Simply put, there's not many guys that are just playmakers like he is. I definitely think that he's uh, arguably the best quarterback who can throw on the run. Yeah, I think he's the best quarterback in escaping the pocket and making plays outside the pocket. Him and Lamar Jackson are kind of in the same place. But he's just—he's kind of the um, just the prototypical modern quarterback. You know, he's mm-hmm. not the guy. He can stand in the pocket when you need him to, but he can also create with his legs. Whether that's getting out of the pocket and throwing, or getting out and running. Uh, and it's just it's amazing to see he's definitely special. Well, you know let's let's talk about this just very quickly because I know you get you got class in a little bit. But um, where would you know where would you rank Patrick Mahomes right now in the top quarterbacks in the league? In the league playing right now, yes, definitely top five, definitely. Uh, he'd be up there. Lamar Jackson would be up there. Uh, he's Lamar Jackson still has some stuff to prove with his arm, but I'd definitely put him up there. Um. 
we just going based off this season? Uh, no, no. Okay, you know. well then Tom Brady's going up there. Um, so there's three. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my uh, Drew Brees. There's four. Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. In yeah. no order, that's my three. Yeah, Russell Wilson for sure. He's up there. That's the three um, I'm balling out with. And man, it's it's crazy what Patrick Mahomes is doing, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the Super Bowl. I feel like it's going to be a good one. Yeah, no, uh, it's going to be. You know that that Chiefs team. Obviously, they're going to score with anybody, and then. The more surprising one to me, you know, I picked the Chiefs to win, and I thought eleven was actually. I never, I'm not going to say I picked. Oh, I picked 35, 24. I picked by eleven. But when I thought about this game, I thought, you know, a a two score game with you know the Titans maybe scoring late to make it look closer. I thought that's what it was, but it kind of played, you know, the Chiefs' offense because of the Titans, you know, slow methodical pace on offense. It allowed them to push the tempo because they had such long breaks on the sideline. They pushed the tempo against the Titans' defense, and it obviously wore them down, especially without, uh, you know, missing Malcolm Butler because of being on that, put, put on IR early in the season. That hurt a lot. It hurt a lot. Um, but a phenomenal year for the Titans. They're going to build on it, and they're going to be really, really good next year. They're my pick. Moving into next year to probably win the, the AFC South. I would say. So let's move over to the NFC side, 49ers versus the Packers. And it was just – The 49ers just Yeah, it wasn't even a game from, you know, the start. They came out, 49ers scored like three or four unanswered. And so it really wasn't a game from, you know, from the jump. Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball 12 times. Threw it – wait, no, 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 no. He threw it eight times. Six for – he was six for eight. I mean, there was no need. I know, but – against the – and that Packers defense, people can't say, oh, they just play bad opponents. That Packers defense was good this year. But Raheem Mossert, he – oh, my goodness. I mean, I, he put on a performance. That's a contract performance. And I don't I don't believe he's on a contract year, but that's a contract performance. That's when you go to the negotiating table whenever it's your time, you say, look, you know, remember this, that's what I can do for you. 220 yards, three total touchdowns, I believe. I mean, he was just insane. Uh, simply put, the 49ers defense – I've thought it ever since you know, ever since they really proved it against Seattle in Week 17. That's a championship caliber defense. We know that now, uh, and it's it's going to be a really good matchup in Miami. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be the uh, Chiefs and the 49ers. I think it's going to be one of the more exciting Super Bowls we've had in a couple it's, of years. It's good because it's just it's somebody different. You know, it's just it's always the Patriots like every other year. And the NFC, you know, they kind of rotate in and out. But I mean, it's somebody different. Finally, we get a different Super Bowl, and I'm excited. You know, for the it's the first time since Super Bowl 47, which I believe that had been seven years ago. It's the first time since then the Super Bowl has not featured Brady, Manning, or Roethlisberger in the AFC. Yeah, and it, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. I can tell you. All right, and Joe Flacco had that one year. Well, that's why it's 47 was Joe Flacco's year. Yeah. Uh, because then if you go back even further after that, it's Brady, Roethlisberger, Manning, and then Roethlisberger again, Brady, Manning. Then Roethlisberger again. So all the way back to Super Bowl Forty. This is the second time since Super Bowl Forty. So four, second time in fourteen years in the AFC. It's not Roethlisberger, Brady, or Manny. That's very relieving to see. Except for you, who obviously would have been fine with seeing Roethlisberger. Well, Roethlisberger was hurt. So yeah. Anyway, next year's your year. Yeah. So let's go ahead. Like you did say, I do have a class to get to here in a yeah. minute. So let's move on. Let's go into the college world. We'll talk a little NCAA basketball first, and then we'll hit the uh, Mississippi State coaching uh, carousel. Um. So, do you want to go Ole Miss first or State first? Nah, let's just get Ole Miss out Okay, of so go ahead. Look, Ole Miss is just going through growing pains. It's very obvious. I'm still behind Kermit. I'm still excited for this program. Uh, I just really hope that the losses aren't, you know, don't – because you noticed – 
people got excited about Ole Miss basketball last year. And I hope that this year won't just take away the fan base again. Because it was, you know, Kermit already did a phenomenal job last year building the excitement around that fan base. And there's still people, a lot of people that, unlike, you know, in years past, in a, they're like, you know, I believe in the future. We saw what Kermit can do last year. We see the recruiting class he's bringing in next year. I still believe in it. But there's already some people that are obviously wanting to jump off ship. And that, that you hate to see that. Uh, a close loss to LSU uh, at home, that one sucked. And then you go on the road and you get thwacked by Tennessee, and you knew that one's coming because Tennessee, they love to get it inside. Uh, they love to bang it down low. They they crash the boards really hard offensively. And that's something Ole Miss, that's Ole Miss's weakness. Guard play is very good this year. The post play is uh, pretty, pretty putrid, if I may just be completely honest. Uh, Kermit's definitely going to have to go find somebody to help in the post or help uh, – Kadeem C, uh, he is he's continuing to grow. I've seen spurts from him, uh, but we have you know missing as much as I hated him. <clears throat> we just miss Bruce Stevens, uh, and I hate to admit that because you know I did not like Bruce Stevens. Uh, but you know you we missed Sebastian Saez. We missed Saez. We missed uh, Dom from last year. Uh, we missed him a lot inside, and Bruce Stevens, you know, just for at least the size, but. One thing that kind of points out to me, you know, of little that I know about the Ole Miss basketball right now, is that it just doesn't seem like uh, Devontae Shuler is really having the year that you expected him to. No, he is uh, – he's regressed a little bit. And, it, it, you know, it's just probably – you know, it might just be a shooting slump. But everybody besides Tyree from a returner this year – and there weren't just too many returners. But Henson, uh, he hadn't taken that step I thought he would. Shuler – I didn't really think he needed to take a step and just solidify himself as the number two scorer behind Tyree, and he hadn't quite done that. Tyree's been good, but at times he's been very inefficient. Um, so, you know, it, it, you ha- you really had to see it because offense, you know, the guard play has still been decent for this team, but, you know, scoring outside from our guards was supposed to be our bread and butter this year, what kept us competitive, and it hadn't quite been there. Uh, defense has had some very – bright spots, um, but there's also sometimes we look lost on defense, especially again on the inside. So, you know, it's mainly going to come down the future of the, of you know, the next few years of Ole Miss is just going to be how can we develop inside. And, you know, because we have Matthew Morrell, Jarkel Joyner next year. We've got good guards and wings coming in. Just going to come into how we, you know, how we can recruit and how we can develop on the inside. Yeah, Kermit's a great coach, so I feel like he'll definitely lead you on the right direction. The seniors forward. a bulldog. I yeah. mean, so I mean, yeah. he's got good roots, obviously. Uh, uh, speaking, speaking of, of yeah, yeah, speaking of bulldogs, we'll go over to the state side. Real I'm gonna quick. say this. Okay, y'all are on fire. We're playing well right now. Very sure. Uh, we started out 0 and 3, and we you know it looked like we had NIT written all over the season. But uh, you know, I said you know a couple weeks ago, on a couple of podcasts we had to go. I said if we go through the three three game homestand and beat Arkansas, which would be a huge game, we could be right back in you know the bubble mix. And we did just that. Uh, we dominated Missouri. We dominated Georgia. I went last. I went to the Georgia game. We just looked dominant. I went last night to the Arkansas game. Did you go last night? Yeah, I, didn't I did. Know that. Yeah, we, me and my dad went. We looked good. We didn't look as dominant as we did against Georgia, but we looked good. Reggie Perry, though, had a game. Yeah. I, I mean, he's going to have a game, it, just, it seems like, each and every night. <laughs> he's just one of the, uh, He's probably one of the best big men I think I've ever seen yeah, man, at the college level. It's just you give him the ball, and if he, you know it's one-on-one, he's going to score or going to get fouled. If he doubles, he's going to find the open man. He can bring the ball up the floor when he rebounds. He's just, he has a complete package, and I think that's what we – that's 
what we have to do, you know, continue going forward. Do you know we what he's shooting keep... it outside right now? I know he don't do it just too often, but it's probably around like a low thirty, mid thirty, something mm-hmm. like that. I'm if not he too could sure. build, if he builds that up to consistent, you're gonna see him as a force in the NBA. You but, know, make it very contributing, very good production. To yeah. The team. So, like I said, we dominated Missouri, played really well. We dominated Georgia, played really well, and played good <laughs> last night against Arkansas. And ended up getting the seventy-seven to seventy win, which is huge for a net. Because Arkansas wasn't actually ranked, but they were high in the net rankings. Oh, they're very high in the net. So ranks. that was a good and win. And y'all are, you know, in the Kim Palm right now, y'all are ranked forty-one. So we, you know, we were saying, ah, this looks maybe an IT bound. The the computer never really, you know, obviously the computer rankings take them as they are. But you know, analytics are a big part of the selection committee, and they never really had y'all quite out of it. And now y'all are obviously, I think y'all obviously rising to the thirties now in the Kim Palm after that. And uh, I want to see the. Uh, not the RPI, but the new ranking the NCAA uses. I want to see when it, you know, when it, I don't think believe they've released their first rankings of that yet. But um, um, so we go to Oklahoma this Saturday. That'll be a big game, and we've got some tough games. We yeah. got Oklahoma Saturday going on the road to Florida. Got Tennessee at home. Kentucky's on the road coming up soon. So we've got a tough little road stretch coming up. But you know, if we could take two or three of those that we're not supposed to, I feel like we'll be okay. People, I think. They dismiss how big momentum can be because I think as crazy as it seems, uh, you go back and look at our past few games, besides the Tennessee game, Ole Miss could be doing kind of the same thing that State's doing, and State vice versa, I think. But if one thing changes, instead of y'all being in Missouri, we – hold on and beat Arkansas earlier a couple weeks ago in the Pavilion. We win that game. I think that starts a momentum stretch where we finish off LSU. We might beat Florida on the road because they've looked beatable at times this year. And, you know, and on the other side for y'all, if y'all don't beat Missouri as bad as y'all did, y'all might still beat Georgia because, you know, beating them by that big. But y'all probably don't win the Arkansas game. Momentum is so... Some people just disregard how big momentum shifts can be, and I think that's the difference. While State got finally got that win against Missouri and Rose, Ole Miss just can't finish them off, and their momentum is right now just very, very low. That That's why the Arkansas game was so huge to me. Not being able to finish that off, I think that just put our season in an even worse state than it was. It's kind of like in a basketball game itself. Game, You know, they say it's a game of runs. The season is a game of runs. Yeah. The season oh, yeah. is a season The season of is runs. a run. Yeah. yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. You're going to go, you know, you're going to go on a bad spurt, but you've got to rebound with something. You know, you've got to rebound with a good stretch, and that's obviously what that's, State's doing, and it's what Ole Miss has failed to do. Basketball and baseball have that in common where, you know, you can go on runs throughout the season. That's Foot- just baseball. And See, but football, you can't do that. Football, there's no, there's no, you can't really go on a run. You have to be good from start to finish yeah, if you want to contend. Yeah. So, um, yeah, speaking of football, we'll merge right into uh, Mississippi State, and they finally hired their defensive coordinator last night, who is by the name of Zach Arnett. Zach Arnett was a defense coordinator for, I think, two seasons at San Diego State, and then recently, over this offseason, took the Syracuse job, but for some reason, we went in there and snagged him, and now he's Bulldog. And I, Well, it wasn't – I mean, it was – do you want to go up north to where nobody cares about college football, or you want to come down to the, you know, the SEC? So, we were talking about it earlier. I think it's a really good hire. He's young. He's only 33 years old. He um, definitely has good numbers from his defenses at San Diego State. And Granted, that's the Mount West Conference or whatever it is. But uh, his numbers are really good. He forces a lot of turnovers. Uh, and like you said earlier, that might be one of the you know 
the best hires that we can get at That's this the time. best hire you could have made this season. Uh, you weren't going to get a, an established power. I, that's the thing. I never really bought into the Navy guy, and here's why. Because when you're at a, you know, either a power five or you're at a, you know, a school. Well, it, Navy's in the American, which is kind of like the power six. But anyway, when you're at a school of like that that has a, a little bit of prestige around it, you know, there's excitement around it. You're good. It's going to be hard to pull an IOC, a DC from one school to another this week because they've already recruited their guys. They they want they've implanted a system with their guys. But when it was perfect because you know he hadn't signed the papers to go to Syracuse for sure, but he had agreed in principle to go there. So you take a guy who has agreed to a job, but he's already decided he's leaving. So why not throw your hat in the ring and say, hey, I, I bet we can make our offer better than Syracuse. I mean, and it's, y'all it's, had the money to, obviously. It's just like recruiting. Some guy commits. Coaches aren't going to stop talking to you if you no, just commit. Yeah, exactly. It's very similar. And some to people aren't going to stop point. talking to you even if you sign. No, yeah. I mean, look at Zach Evans. I mean, yeah. He got pulled out of his NLI with Georgia. And Ole Miss is actually looking at him right now. Also, in a little bit of recruiting news, uh, just to throw it in there, uh, Damone Clowney, cousin of J- Javion Clowney, commits to Ole Miss. That's a big pickup. That's Kerm- That's Lane's first big pickup. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, it's in the jeans. You know, it's you can't, in the jeans. You can't, you can't argue that. Yeah. J. Davion Clowney is a man. But, a um, yeah, I think that's an excellent hire for State. I think it is. Uh, in 11 of their 13 games this year, San Diego State held their opponent under 24 points. Pretty pretty good number. Um, it's um it's just gonna be. I think Mississippi State football is just gonna be fun to watch for state fans and for opposing fans. It's gonna be you know opposing coaches will be hard to scout because we're running yeah. you know the the air raid offense and then on defense we're running a three three five. So it's gonna. You wonder if the three three five is gonna work in the SEC with you know how many good backs, how many power backs, strong offensive linemen that are. Uh, you wonder how it's gonna work because obviously it relies on a lot of defensive backs. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, to go see, you know, recruit a couple hard-hitting defensive backs. Uh, you're going to need quick linebackers, um, you know, to catch the outside. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Not many people run a 3-3-5 in the SEC. Auburn ran a little bit of it, and Clemson did as well against LSU, and it confused them at points, but again, LSU figured it out, uh, obviously. But So, you know, it'll be interesting. You don't see teams just run a base 3-3-5 defense, though. Yeah, so it, I think it'll definitely be just, you know, uh, a hassle for opponent coaches just to, uh, you know, scout because you're, you know, two unique type of offensive and defensive styles. But like I said, overall, I think it's a really good hire. His numbers are great, uh, and I, I'm, I'm excited for, you know, excited for spring ball and seeing – what we have in store up there in Startville. Absolutely, it's gonna be it's gonna be incredibly, it's gonna be a fun season in Startville and Oxford for sure. And, and Joe Moorhead just got a recent job as the Oregon offensive coordinator. Quack quack. Hey, I mean, you de- you definitely you know that was the one thing about the firing. You know, he had to go home tell his family he didn't have a job. Well, you know, he's got a job now. You know, and good for him. Good for him. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Good, very. Uh, you got you, you're happy for Joe Moorhead. There, there, no doubt about that. And uh, he's out away from us, so he can't kill us. He's up on the, you know, northwest. Calling it it now, Oregon State, Mississippi State, five years from now in the national championship, Joe Moorhead's offense drops 55. I'd love to to see that. I'm calling it. You'd love to see it. Uh, You know, I'd asked our sponsor, Kevin Connell, Hitting Academy, for a question of the day, but we never got it. So, you know what? I'm going to come up with one on the spot. Okay, well, this is the Kevin Connell. Yes. This is uh, Kevin Hitting, Connell, Hitting, 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 yes, Hitting Academy question of the day. This uh, is it. Here's what we'll here's what we'll say. Okay. If Quickly. there is, you know, okay, baseball Hall of Fame. Baseball Hall. Derek Jeter just got in. 
Yes, uh, and that's actually something we did talk about. Not unanimous. That's bull, uh, I might say. Anyway. If there is one player in baseball that you're going to put in the Hall of Fame that hasn't been put in yet, who who are you putting in? Uh, Sheila Joe. Sheila's Joe. You're yeah. putting in Sheila's Joe. I mean, he was a man. He was a hoss. Great pick. That's my pick as too. You stole. High five. Hey, let's get right there. Uh, no, that's my pick too. Um, you know, he is. Uh, you know, Sheila's Joe is regarded by many of his time. You know, many that even is stretching to you know the Mickey Mantle eras that had seen Sheila's Joe. They claimed he's the best baseball player they've Sheila's ever seen. Sheila's Joe is just the definition of a five tool player. Yeah, I mean, he was phenomenal. He was Mike Trout before yeah. Mike Trout. I mean, he was excellent, uh, and you know, and sadly, he got you know banned from the hall in a scandal that you know it, people. If you look at his stats from that World Series that the White Sox threw, he wasn't a part of that. Uh, there, I mean, he hit 400. His fielding percentage was perfect. He hit a couple home runs. You can't do that and throw again and throw a World Series. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna do that, then you know you're gonna hit 200. You're gonna have a couple errors. I mean, he played phenomenal in that World Series when you go back and look at it. Uh, so, that you know, that's just sad to see. But since you picked Shoeless Joe, I'll make another pick. Pete Rose. Um, that was that was my second yeah. pick. Yeah. Look at us. Who's your third pick? Barry Bonds. I don't know if I agree with you there. That would be more to talk about. But uh, Pete Rose, I mean, he's baseball's hit king. Uh, I mean, you know, if you're going to put player, you know, players in that have, you know, taken steroids and whatnot, you know, I know gambling is kind of, you know, a black sheep in sports, but, you know, if you're going to put some players that have previously been on steroids in the hall, you know, I don't think it's as big a crime, especially since it's different if he's kind of doing like the, you know, the White Sox gambling against his team and then throwing it, but he gambled on his own team. You know, he's betting on himself. So, I mean, yeah, it's not right to do. I know it's frowned upon. But still, if you're gonna have players in, if you're in people, if you're gonna argue Barry Bonds should be in, you gotta have Pete Rose in. And that's the Kevin Garnell Hitting Academy question of the day, brought to you by Peyton. Um, yeah, I gotta get the biology. Yeah, we're gonna end it off here. But Jackson, do you have anything else to say before we end this? No, I have not. This has been a uh, Cousin Cash Express episode. We yeah. got this in as quickly as possible, and you can go ahead and send us off. Absolutely, we appreciate you guys uh, for uh, watching and listening. Uh, make sure you're tuned in with us on social media. Twitter at Cast Cousin, Facebook Cousin Cast, and Twitter at or Instagram at Cousin Cast. Before Jack Finch, I'm Peyton Taylor. Thank you for watching or listening, and have a blessed day. <laughs>